0: So, hi, and welcome to today's Dharma Things podcast. It's our first one. My name is Ms. DeShannon, and with some carefully selected guests, I'm going to be talking about various things that guide us and help us to navigate life, whether they're physically or emotionally related and we'll be sharing knowledge, experiences, little gems of wisdom, and hopefully having some fun along the way, probably going off on a few tangents. (laughs) So my hope is that through these sessions, you can find some refuge, be it for respite knowledge, or maybe just pure joy. And joining me this week is the wonderful Steph Magenta um, of Integrative Breath. Now, Steph and I met one another quite a long time ago, and um, I actually did um, a sweat lodge with Steph and one of her colleagues, John, which was a completely mind-blowing experience. An entire day of creation and meditation and just a wonderful, wonderful experience that I had with Steph a couple of years ago. Um, So I'll hand over to Steph, tell us about yourself, who are you and what do you do?
1: (laughs) The eternal question, Um, who am I? Well, what I do is um, I teach breathwork, so I train students in breathwork facilitation. And beyond that, I'm also a licensed body worker, a shamanic practitioner, Oh my gosh, I've journeyed long and hard through many, many different embodiment practices and experiences, I suppose, um, fundamentally in my own path of healing. And now I feel that I am truly, ironically, given the name of your podcast, Living My Dharma.
0: Yeah, yeah. So what was your journey that led you to doing this kind of work?
1: well <laughs>
0: <laughs> briefly
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's really you know it's really interesting because i say to the people that i work with now particularly for example in my one on one client sessions um people can feel hopeless um they feel as though they're not getting results because maybe they've been working with something for 6 months and nothing feels like it's shifting and um and i shared a recent quote, quote from uh, messi the footballer that said it took me 17 years and 114 days of hard work to become an overnight success and and i feel like that the message in that is how do we continue to commit to our healing in spite of sometimes feeling that we're not getting anywhere because when i look back i think wow you know it's it's well what is it now four decades of basically healing from serious addictions you know kind of drug addictions um and an abusive background and many many dysfunctional relationships but the i suppose the addiction was the thing that really catapulted me into having to look at what was being masked so for a seven-year period i was deeply lost in in drugs and the criminal underworld in a couple of major cities in the uk and Pulling myself out of that meant that once I got out of it, that's when the work started. That's when we have to feel what's underneath the things that have been covered up. And so my journey started there really, Miss. And it was, it, it was nothing to do with breathwork or shamanism at that point. Um, it was very much to do with just finding any kind of simple ways that I could stay afloat because... When, when one is in those difficult places, when one is facing whatever has been covered up through whatever kind of addiction it is, and it's not always drugs and substances and alcohol, it might be addiction to overworking, it might be addiction to pumping iron at the gym and pushing the body mm-hmm. so that you don't feel whatever it is that's stopping us feeling and connecting to that inward place um, is the stuff that needs to be healed really. So, yeah, so that's how I came to set off on this path. And and originally my journey was actually through self-expression through art, which I'd wanted to do years ago. And I went to do an art degree in, in the city that you lived in, in the UK for a while. And I think that was almost like my, that was my first landing place of finding the ways that I could release some of this stuff that was locked inside my paintings Mm -hmm. at the beginning were very very dark very very much an exorcism I think of what I'd experienced and I didn't necessarily know that cognitively I did on some level because some of them it was obvious but with other ones it was like oh okay this is this is my healing path um yeah and I'm a creative so I've kind of flowed in and out of many different I I like to taste things and see if that's right for me and then you know, kind of stay longer in the things that do feel like they're bringing me healing and do feel like they're bringing me personal growth. Mm -hmm.
0: So what was it that actually brought you to do this breath work and the shamanism work that you do now?
1: Um, I think the shamanism which came first and that was, it actually arose, like I always, this is a bit uh, contentious because I always feel as though I've been kind of quite easily able to enter altered states and trance like states of being and to energetically kind of perceive things in different ways. As a child, I was called a daydreamer. She's always in a dream. She needs to get her feet on the ground and stop dreaming. And, And actually, in a way, that was my kinesthetic way of experiencing the world and knowing that there was something bigger. But of course, that all gets shut down by logic and reasoning. And no, you can't do art. No, you can't do this, that you'll never make a living doing this. And so i closed down all those parts of myself and yet they were there so the shamanism came through accessing um five rhythms movement therapy and that's a somatic practice of of dance embodied dance which somebody had recommended i go to because after the birth of my third child so to give you a timeline for that that's only 21 years ago so i had done a lot of healing through art after coming back from london and recovering from addiction and then I lost all sense in the lower part of my body. So I couldn't feel my feet and my legs. And I was having tests like people were li- literally putting pins and things and temperature checks on the soles of my feet because I was unable to even put on my own underwear. And this is kind of, I was only in my early forties the, after the birth of my first child. Wow. Um, so what that, What I realized afterwards, and thank God that person recommended this movement class, was that somatically in my body, my body was communicating that something was wrong. But I didn't know what it was. And I just showed up to this class and I thought it was horrendous. I just spent the whole class trying to get out the door backwards like, oh, this is really weird. I was so self-conscious. Everybody's moving around <laughs> and expressing themselves and it's in broad daylight. It's not like a nightclub that's all smoky and dark and you just <laughs> hide and, and sit in a corner with a, with a beer or whatever. It was like, oh crap. You know, like <laughs> I wasn't used to it. Mm-hmm. But in that, as I got used to it and I started going and I started slowly recovering and my body started coming back to me and my felt sense started to grow, like my intuitive awareness... I my teacher at that time, she was pretty uh, witchy and shamanic in her background, and I really loved her stuff. And every time I'd go into the chaos rhythm of that practice, I would be like in an altered state. I'd be completely letting go. And she said to me, you know, she said, you're just somebody who seems to find it really easy to access that place. Um, and that's quite shamanic uh, I think that was the first time well, it wasn't the first time but it was one of the first times I'd actually connected what I was doing with a practice and so I just started to look into it and then mm-hmm. began to find teachers and began to grow from those first seeds of my own experiencing not really having a frame of reference for it but but feeling it and then going well this is interesting and and what's happening here and okay let me go and formalize this experience yeah yeah Yeah. and then and then as part of one of those uh five rhythms weekends we uh, the guy that was doing the training at the time who was also very shamanic and has since developed his own movement practice school was friends with a man who came into this two week intensive that I was doing to do a shamanic piece and he became my teacher that mm-hmm. man became my teacher because I was so like blown away by what I experienced and of course the logical mind can't explain it
0: yeah 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 <laughs> And like you said, a lot of these things get closed down when we're kids. That sort of creative part of the brain gets closed down when we're kids. Is that what you found in your, um, when you've become a teacher, that you're completely opening up people's minds and people's general abilities physically and
1: otherwise? Yeah, I mean, honestly, Ms. this is such a rich conversation because I feel that the majority of people are walking around Um, with some level or other of trauma you know most of us are in fight or flight most of us have had some kind of unmet needs as children or we've just received the programming and beliefs of our caregivers our parents our teachers whoever it was that was responsible for giving us our vision of the world for creating the beliefs and so I'm really interested in the neural pathways that get created in the neuroscience of the work I do, particularly with breath, because I feel that those parts that we then shut down close access to wider ways of perceiving, wider ways of understanding both the world and ourselves within the world, because I think as human beings, we have incredible capacity for growth awareness healing perception telepathic communication all kinds of things that you know when you 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 hear people saying well I don't know how I knew but I just knew or Mm -hmm. I thought about this and then that happened or that person called me or it might come through dreams and so so yeah I kind of feel like I'm I'm intrigued by what in us closes down Mm -hmm. and how to bring that out so You know, our training, for example, I now teach breathwork and our training, we 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 root it all in a book called The Presence Process, which in itself is pretty shamanic. But it's all about presencing what's there. It's all about authentic living, integral living, coming into the place where we don't have to people pleased anymore or we don't have to self-doubt anymore because we're willing to feel it, to heal it, to express Mm -hmm. it, to understand it. And then we don't have to keep on creating a a world that's full of, you know, smoke and mirrors and illusion. And we can, we can actually have better relationships. We can have good partnerships. We can, we can thrive in our work instead of just getting up, going to work, going, God, I hate this. I hate what I do, but I don't know how to change it. And, Mm. you know, people get stuck.
0: Yeah. 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 I think, I mean, as yoga teachers, um, we often hear little bits about breath work um, Mm. and um, encouraging people to breathe properly. Um, And I think you mentioned this on your website as well, the um, capacity in people's lungs and how much they use it. People generally only use about 20% of their lung capacity. And I've come across this quite a few times as a teacher. Um, So actually getting people just to basically breathe deeper um so just briefly tell us how this sort of breathing properly um, learning how to do different types of breath work works mm-hmm. with our nervous system so we can sort of sort of become more powerful and transform our health and healing it's just mm-hmm. simply through breathing
1: another great question um, you know <laughs> I'm like I'm I'm literally I'm so geeky about the breath and about neuroscience and the brain and the physiology the biochemistry of the body and how it all links together which of course links into my background which is another part of what you know about me which was in running my own juice bars and it's in clean nutrition and stuff because Yeah. everything is relational so everything that we think everything that we have in our environment everything that we put in our bodies affects our functioning so the breath is not separate from that so the reason that I teach basic functional breathing before because you talked about different techniques and and what they mean and yeah breath work is a bit of a trendy buzzword at the moment what is conscious breath work for me conscious breath work is Any kind of breathing where we're bringing our awareness and our consciousness to that practice. So it could be through pranayama in yoga, for example, and it could be through developing um, functional breathing. And what I mean by that is breathing in and out through the nose, um, calming anxiety, grounding the body, releasing depression, doing the things that basically... When we start to understand the physiology of the breath and what happens when we're breathing in and out through the nose or what happens when we're breathing in and out through the mouth, then we start to understand the effects it's having on our system. So if we're habitually breathing in and out through the mouth on a day to day basis, we are lowering our immunity, we're creating more illness and dis-ease. We are not filtering what needs to be filtered. The oxygen isn't getting to our vital organs. It's not crossing the blood-brain barrier in the way that it needs to. And so training the breath by knowing and understanding the breath is step one. Then we can venture into some of these more dynamic practices because you mentioned the nervous system. So, for example, functional breathing activates the parasympathetic the rest and restore brings us into grounding and calming. Whereas the connected breathing practice that I also use, which paradoxically is mouth breathing, but only in controlled amounts of time in in supervised sessions, activates the sympathetic nervous system, the fight flight. And that's the place where we've often experienced shock, trauma, um, things that have affected and impacted our ability to respond in that moment in anything other than fight and flight. So when we start activating it, because the mind doesn't know the difference between a memory and an experience we're having now. And so the same hormones will be released, the same neural pathways will be activated, like, "Uh uh-oh, danger, something's happening. I remember when I felt like this before and I don't want to feel it again. And so we go into panic or we shut down. So when you've got this container of supervision with a trained facilitator, Mm -hmm. and I know we're going to talk about that shortly, you begin to open the possibility to bring healing to those places by taking control again and getting some mastery, but not control in a way that's repressing and suppressing and depressing, control in a way that is opening to heal. So, I mean, it's incredible what you can do just through the breath.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of people just don't understand that. There's so many times... Uh, like I said, in, in a yoga class where you just encourage people to stop and take a deep breath and people don't fully expand the belly, their lung. Like you said, just being conscious of taking proper breaths It's one thing that I constantly work with my boyfriend on doing to breathe a little deeper um yeah and the the we always hear phrases like this uh, breath is the bridge which connects life to consciousness I think I picked this up off your website and yeah. <laughs> uh, probably at other places as well um and a lot of people think about the breath and breath work and think it's going to take them into this deep sort of spiritual place um and you've talked a lot about the science of breath work these things that people can relate to on a emotional physical health level but talking about the other things that you mentioned um sort of collective healing these shamanic principles subtle energies things like that what, what are those all about
1: well you know i i really believe that you know more and more science has studied epigenetics and understands that things are passed on through our genes through what our ancestors have experienced which is in the body of course and then you know all things are born of. There's, there's two fundamental laws in shamanism all things are born of woman and do nothing that will harm the children because it's looking at this everything that's come from somewhere that's been birthed and everything that is yet to come shamanic practice always looks at the seven generations to come And any decision that is made is made in council in consideration of how will this impact the generations to come. And I love that because we generally don't do that. And so all of these aspects of what we now understand through the combination of things like both shamanism, breathwork, the mystery of life coming into relation with the science of Oh, okay. so we've studied DNA and we've found that there are these parts of ourselves that have been transmitted down a timeline. And this is like family constellations work, you know, where there are things in a family. For example, somebody comes back from war, they've experienced atrocious things. Maybe they've done terrible things because they've been in fight and flight. They've been in survival or they've been influenced by what's happening around them. And then they can't live with that experience it's too traumatic it's PTSD and so a family unit for example will have oh you know granddad's in the room we don't talk about the war or you know so and so's in the room don't talk about the ex-wife and mm. and so there's there's this silence that then suddenly grows up around something and yet there's an intrinsic knowing like especially in a child who's naturally curious That you know, why do I get told off if I mention that? And they start to shut down and they start to not ask questions. And so these things just keep getting passed on and passed on until somebody in the family is willing to feel it and willing to deal with it and willing to heal it. So I suppose, yeah, it it is again, the shamanic aspect is the mystery And the consciousness aspect and the scientific understanding is the mastery in a way. And I like the idea of merging both of those, you know, Mm -hmm. otherwise, you know, the the kind of consciousness without the embodiment or without the science can be a bit, you might call it woo-woo or fluffy or new agey. And yet being too rooted in the science means that we cut off from consciousness and potential and the mystery.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of people, uh, when they come across the word um, shamanism um, or anything shamanic, they always think, like you said, things that are a little woo-woo. And, you know, you're going to get somebody dancing around on an Instagram video and, you know, just shaking the feathers around and it's going to be something pretty and tribal and stuff like that. And the work that you do is actually incredibly deep. Like you said at the beginning, it comes from a lot of experience of your own. Um, years of training of your own and it sounds like it's an incredibly delicate journey to be taking people on that you need as a facilitator as a guide you need to have an incredibly broad and deep amount of knowledge to be doing this work
1: mm. with people. Mm. Yeah I mean I think <clears throat> I think the shamanism The issues that I see are are one, respecting lineages, respecting where the work comes from and not appropriating and and just taking things from cultures, which we've very much done in the West a lot historically. So finding that delicate balance between really honouring the roots of the teachings and how they're taught. You know, I mean, I've been studying with my teacher. I was studying with the same teacher for many years. I've just um, started to work with a new a female, a woman mentor. Um, But for many years, I was working with a teacher who there were things he couldn't, he wasn't allowed to teach. And he'd been on his own journey for decades with, you know, the original people that he studied with, who were the Lakota in North America. It was very clear. It's like, yes, you can teach this. No, you cannot teach that because Mm -hmm. it's really respected. Like what people are accessing is respected. What people... Uh, are ready to receive or um, experience is respected. Um, yeah. Some of the teachings, it's just that they're secret teachings, but others, it's just that in, in, people need to be ready because it is profound work. Mm-hmm. And I've always seen breath work, uh, I always call it soul retrieval, it's like shamanic soul retrieval, but through the breath because I see people go into altered states. In a very similar way to what I've witnessed in plant medicine ceremonies or uh, working with um, psychedelics, or, which, of course, you know, that was the root of breath work with Stan Groff anyway. He was working with LSD in America. Mm-hmm. And when he was no longer able to do that, he started to work with the breath because he noticed similar states coming out just through this dynamic breathing. Um so yeah i'm i'm big on this you know i i find you know my, my teacher doesn't wear robes and feathers and and pomp and circumstance he wears jeans and a t-shirt and a spring mat cap and many of his teachers who are still living in the states who are indigenous peoples also dress like that maybe they don't when they're in ceremony mm-hmm. you know but but i think that yeah. I mean, for me, sometimes it's an uncomfortable place. I'm not gonna lie, you know, you've 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 been to sweat lodges that I've run. And there are times when I go, you know, as a Western white woman, how comfortable do I feel with this? Mm. And I have I've really asked myself that question a lot. Yeah, yeah. Is there something else that I should be doing? Should I not be doing that? And then, but then my check-in as I always go back to my teacher, is is this okay? It's like having mentorship and you know, honorable, integral practice. And then if I get a no, I accept that's a no. OK, I'm, yeah. I'm not able to. I've asked my teacher before, you know, somebody's asked me to do this. I'm not quite sure how you feel about it or how I feel about it. Is it OK? Sometimes they'll say yes and other times they'll say no.
0: Mm, yeah. And it's like we said earlier, um, I think before we hit record, it's not necessarily about having a qualification, is it? um it's about the deep experience and the knowledge and the respect for these practices so just being able to wave a certificate around and say that you've done a a weekend in breathwork training doesn't actually cut the mustard i actually met someone i've just been reminded i met someone a couple of weeks ago who told me that they'd been on a retreat weekend um where there was a guy um, guiding some breathwork session. And he'd read about doing this technique and how to do the technique. I know you're cringing with me just saying this. Mm. And he guided this entire room into quite a deep breathwork technique and obviously provoked responses in people and then had no idea how to handle those responses that were people, people were having. Mm. Um, and he'd got the certificate. He'd got a You know, a a little sort of four day certificate in doing whatever kind of breath work, but not the knowledge and the understanding, like you said, of the depth of these practices and the the sort of precious nature Mm. of these techniques and how they're handed down.
1: Well, and and beside the precious nature of the techniques and what's handed down, which you might say is is particularly relevant within shamanism, within within breathwork or within certain practices, um, you know, there's a huge you, the situation you described. I mean. You know, our student training is seven months and through that people are going on a personal process, but also they're getting anatomy and physiology, boundaries, ethics and consent, the psychology of trauma, developmental trauma, um, how to work with clients in hyper and hypo arousal and how to know the difference. A huge amount of really important stuff, because, as you said, a room can go off and you can re-traumatize people. Yeah, seriously re-traumatize people, and beside that, there are some serious contraindications in dynamic breathwork practices. For example, if people have pre-existing heart conditions, epilepsy, PTSD, uh, psychosis, because we're affecting the physiology of the body. Mm -hmm. So when we start to breathe in those dynamic ways, people go, well, you know, I'm just going to do it. And they see it as a reflection of themselves. And I've been guilty of this myself at the beginning of my journey. There's a bit of ego that comes in because the whole room's gone off and you're the person that's gone. Yeah. You know, (laughs) drums, whistles, rattles, feathers, blah, blah, blah. Brilliant. Everybody's in process. And now my approach, you know, which has been very humbling for me, is very much less is more. It's like, actually, that's not serving people if they then go into like a a deeper level of shock through what's come up and there's no integration. And that has applied to my shamanic practice, my plant medicine journeys, and now to my breathwork. Integration is so important. Knowledge is so important. So mm-hmm. you're right having a certificate you know it doesn't matter actually it matters more that it's a longer course but you could say yes there are people who've done seven months who may still not be great facilitators because maybe they haven't done their own inner work to the depth of being able to hold people but we all find our way through we find what we need and there's medicine in every experience when we take responsibility for extracting what that is even if it's an un- yeah. unpleasant difficult or challenging experience that we've had with a with a facilitator who's left us totally high and dry there is medicine in that if we go well why did I put myself in that position why did I ignore my own sovereignty why did Uh I not ask more questions you know Um, but it does it does frustrate me you know that there's a lot of people out there who don't have the fundamental um, knowledge and training and and insurance to practice breath work safely
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah. you know, because because there's liability. You know, I've worked in breath work sessions and I've seen people go into fainting. One person went into a fainting fit as a result of low blood pressure, which is one of the contraindications that they hadn't declared. And it looked like this person was having a stroke. It was full on, it looked like a seizure and a fit. And it, as an experienced body worker, breath worker, and teacher, I was able to work with that. And then there was a follow up and I, asked for permission and contacted them I checked in over the next three days I spoke to GPs and physicians what could have been happening in the body you don't want somebody who just doesn't really give a shit who sends somebody home Mm -hmm. they get in a car maybe have a crash maybe hurt themselves maybe can't deal with what came up maybe you know physically feel dreadful mentally emotionally feel dreadful we are responsible as practitioners you are as a yoga practitioner you know you're not going to put somebody in a posture that goes way beyond somebody's limits when they're saying oh that's really really hurting actually I'm not sure about this and you go rubbish that's just your resistance (laughs) but people keep it in breath work
0: yeah I think it's the same as a lot of things these days you see all these sorts of pseudo psychology things and guidance that goes on, on the wonderful world of social media, don't you? And a lot of people get grabbed into these things as trends, but they're not actually delivered properly. And it's the same thing in the yoga world. I mean, I've noticed a few um, teachers that I know who are fantastic teachers have thousands and thousands of followers and their work is being pinched for these how to, um, memes on um Instagram and stuff's just not explained properly and the same with breathwork you might get somebody who's inexperienced who guides like a 10 minute you know Instagram video or something and it's like they're not there to facilitate that properly they're not there to ask the people about their trauma about their history about their physiology Um, and that delivery of that is just potentially going to go wrong it's just Mm. something that people have got to be quite careful of really isn't it of of getting a proper facilitator to do this work with
1: yeah yeah and you know there are no governing bodies for breath work at the moment Mm. as there are for psychotherapy and as there might be for other embodiment practices so there are organizations that you can have membership for affiliate to So it really it's up to the individual schools to have good codes of ethics, thorough training and to really understand what it means to deliver competent, safe practice in in anything that is unregulated. We need to be even more aware of those kind of things, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, it's a lot more than just breathing, right?
1: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and shamanism is a lot more than, you know, waving a rattle and dancing around in a, a feathered cloak, you know, yeah, it's exactly. like, actually, it's the oldest form of healing that there is, you know, really, 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 you go back to these indigenous lands. And the other thing that is so remarkable for me that is deeply, deeply humbling is that these are people cultures communities and tribes that have a deeply respectful reverential relationship with nature mm. and, and we we have lost that and you know our inner nature is reflected internally what's internal is reflected externally and vice versa so when we're in right relationship with nature when we understand cause and effect When we understand what we are doing thinking feeling and expressing and the cause and effect of that when we understand what we're choosing to ingest and how we're choosing to nourish ourselves or choosing to sleep and that goes all the way back to the beginning of the conversation about drugs and addiction where i was completely not in choice i was just filling my body with crap or you know drugs or sugar or this or that or whatever else there was Um, then I consider that I'm not in right relation and I'm not in balance. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and in my work now I say we can only, we can only reach as far as our roots go deep. You know, if you use the tree as a metaphor, if it's not grounded practice, well-informed and we're really in the body and understanding the body then going up there into these heady realms of higher consciousness is gonna be superficial or mm-hmm. just that ungrounded
0: yeah yeah so the next stage of your journey that's coming up um you're doing some work with Thomas Hubel
1: uh no I that I've done that piece of work you've um, done that yeah that was that was a course of training my co-teacher on our breathwork training is she is his US one of his US assistants so she's ongoing um as part of his school um but that's not the next stage of my journey the next stage of my journey is is actually full embodiment of self in order to be in service to the world so i've started working with this one to one one shamanic mentor who is seriously seriously badass (laughs) and she really pushes and stretches me and asks me why I'm you know shines a light on the bits where I might be playing small or or in ego and ego of course can easily keep you small as much as it can make you have grandiose ideas about self you know it's still ego um and just continuing with breath work but actually if if anything is my next step it's it's informing myself more and more and more about the neuroscience because I believe as human beings, we are just incredibly magical beings of vast potential that has been closed through our experience of life and that we need to open up again. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Well, we're coming to the end of the podcast, I'm afraid. (laughs) Um, But I guess for people who've never touched on any of this work before, um, what would you say to people? How could they approach going into breath work as a start? What could they do about their own breathing um, and their own awareness just as a starting point?
1: Um, Well, little day-to-day practices like, you know, becoming still for five, ten minutes in the morning and just focusing on your inhale and exhale and noticing the breath and noticing the body noticing what might be being felt and experienced instead of just getting out and going straight into activity and autopilot on a day-to-day level that on the slightly more adventurous level, it's like experiencing sessions with different practitioners and, and listening to, did I like that one? Did that feel right for me? Yes, no, maybe. Am I going to do it again? Yes, no, maybe, you know, many, many facilitators offer free sessions I have a free breathwork session every Saturday morning online that people can come and join. And that's a big community now. And it's wonderful. And it's about developing practices. And in all of my work, I say to people, you can go to a weekend retreat. You can go to an event. You can have a life-changing experience when you're in an environment that's completely closed, but it's how you apply that when you get back into your world that will integrate it. And that usually requires devotion, dedication, practice awareness you know i sit at my altar every morning Mm -hmm. and become still and give thanks i have gratitude cultivate gratitude i i reflect on my day in the evening and look for the medicine in the teachings that i've experienced so it's becoming mindful about life really yeah um and and there are so many different kinds of breath work it's really about yeah explore trust your instincts If you think something looks like it's all show and you're watching somebody and you're like, "Mm, not sure about that. There's probably, there's probably some truth in it, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah.
0: Okay. And I'm going to ask you one closing question. What is your favorite thing about what you do and what you bring to the world?
1: Oh gosh. (laughs) What I love most of all, especially because After my Saturday sessions in particular, people there's sharing time that people can say what they've experienced and seeing and hearing the breakthroughs that people have, often accompanied by tears, but joyful tears, sometimes sad tears, but the breakthroughs that people have in their life because they suddenly go, oh, my God, I didn't even know that was in there, or I've just realised, you know, people joining the dots. and, And for me... What, why that inspires and ignites me is because healthy healed people create a healthy healed world. And so I, I feel now, you know, well, you, I, you, I think I'm sure, you know, you know, I've just turned 60 and I feel as though I am officially entering into that phase of my life where my greatest desire is to be in service to other people to bring some kind of, to hold up a light to be able to just go hey you know I understand it gets really difficult at times but just keep going um so and I love what I do with a passion and actually I think that's what's created the abundance for me in the last couple of years because I'm no longer pursuing the money I'm pursuing the vision and the goals and the feeling and therefore it comes from an authentic and joyful place yeah
0: yeah that's fantastic Thank you so much for those (laughs) wonderful insights on you and your journey and the importance of this work, but just a lot of things that people can relate to Um, a lot of aspects of your own life and your own development that everyone can relate to overcoming those obstacles. Hopefully, hopefully everyone can look into the pointers that you've given. So do look up Steph on her social media and give her a try on a Saturday morning. Um, Thank you so much for your time and expertise.
1: Thank you, Ms. It's been a pleasure.
0: (laughs) And thank you all for listening to the Dharma Things podcast. Don't forget to give us some love on social media. Spread the word of this superb practice and the techniques that Steph has given us today and share these conversations that hopefully help guide you through some experiences and new experiences in life. Okay. Thank
1: you for listening. Until next time.